don't forget about the way that people follow money. And that seeding could be to take the FSA forfeitures and use those forfeitures in a way that that is seeding next year for the FSA. The other thing is those dollars could be repurposed as a way to seed every HSA account that is opened in the coming year. And what a great way to use those dollars in a way that it helps people uh, think about their HSA differently. Welcome to Creating Healthier Futures, a new podcast from Allegis. I'm Brian Colburn. And I'm Anna Lyons. In this series, we'll reveal the state of healthcare consumerism through trends and research, our own data, and the health benefit experts that are driving our industry forward. To download the materials discussed in this episode or learn more on the topic, be sure to visit Allegis.com. That's A-L-E-G-E-U-S.com. Thanks for tuning in. Before we dive into our topic for today, we wanted to let you know about a free virtual event we'll be hosting next week. The Allegis 2021 Health Benefits Forum on Wednesday, December 9th, will feature a panel of industry experts who will discuss the state of health benefits and the themes we see shaping the industry in the coming year. To register, visit Allegis.com slash webinars. In today's episode, we speak with Carly Dunkelberger and Karen Frost of Alight Solutions about the impact of COVID-19 and the economic recession on healthcare consumers' ability to save. We consider a range of strategies employers can use, from lifestyle cards to account seeding, to support employees during times of hardship and set them up for long-term financial success. Hi, this is Carly Dunkelberger, and I am the Vice President of Sales for Alight's Smart Choice Account Sales Team. I'm Karen Frost, and I lead our solution strategy for the health business at Alight. Um, Karen, for those in the audience or listening that aren't familiar with Alight, can you give us a, just a quick background on the company? So Alight is the legacy Hewitt Associates administration business. So We used to be part of Aon, Aon Hewitt at that point. And just back in 2017, we spun off to a standalone company. And Alight is um, focused on really all things HR. We do health, wealth, HR, and payroll management uh, services to employers that really are about 500 lives and over. Um, If I look at the health book of business, we serve about 14 million people. Uh, representing about 107, I'm sorry, 740 clients. And when I say health, I mean a whole variety of things. That starts with benefits administration, um, including COBRA billing, you know, uh, ACA compliance. But we also do the rest of the circle. So we have health navigation services, consumer accounts, as well as benefit verification and other services. So we, if, if, if it's an HR thing, a uh, like pretty much does management of it. That's great. All right. So the topic, uh, the main topic for today is around savings. And we know um, if we think about savings and spend as sort of two sides of the same coin, uh, we know that COVID-19 has had a major impact on spending this year. So maybe we'll start with the spending side of it. Um, I'm curious what you guys are seeing at a light in terms of spend changes or trends. Maybe Karen, we'll start with you. And then Carly, you can add to that if you want. Oh, absolutely. So let's think about this in two ways. So first, what, what probably everyone on this call has heard about is what you hear in the press around 
the significant impact on the delivery system. And so you heard things like uh, there was almost a $600 billion decrease in Q2 of this year in healthcare spending. Um, but what may not be as widely heard is how that's rebounded, really starting in the late spring and early summer. And so I was just reading a Kaiser Family Foundation report before, uh, before coming out of this call. And although there was about a, almost a 40% decrease then in Q2, over the summer, we saw spending rebound to all, only about 10% lower than prior years. So we did see a big drop in things like elective surgeries, those things that could be really delayed without significant long-term impact on patients. But what we're starting to be more and more worried about are the things that could have long-term impact, like preventive care screenings for cancer. We, we saw a significant drop and that drop has remained. And as, as we all know, as you don't, as, if you don't find those uh, illnesses early, treating them gets that, that, um, that much harder later, as well as more costly. Um, and then if we think about the impact on people, um, we see you know, over 40% of people telling us that they avoided care because they were afraid nearly three-fourths of employers telling us that they're worried about an overstressed healthcare system and not being able to find a doctor when they need one. Um, and then the impact of that with over 50% of people telling us that there's a negative impact on their overall mental well-being as a result of um, everything that's going on in the pandemic. So we see an impact both on the actual spending as well as people's outlook on future healthcare uh, services and spending. Are you guys seeing anything uh, that employers are doing differently to encourage that type of spend or the screenings? Um, we certainly see employers focusing on, like the number one thing I hear is mental health uh, and providing support for mental health to make people more comfortable. And we think that is one way that the rest of the system will, will be able to recover is if I can be more comfortable using healthcare when I need it, I'm more apt to, to interact with my doctor and get the right services. I don't know, Carly, anything you're seeing there? Well, we uh, have seen that when it comes to the changes, if we think back to March and fast forward to where we are now in, in Q4, at first it was people just stopping. And then healthcare needs still continued for families or someone that had an ongoing chronic condition, whether they were going to work, if their job was impacted by the pandemic, they still needed to get their care. And so we saw a, a, a spend, an increased spend of using those healthcare dollars, which did hit the HSAs and the FSAs and HRAs. But also, as people were using the healthcare that they had, we saw a, a shift in the savings rate because HSAs, like a 401k, we can make changes throughout the year if we want to increase or decrease what we're putting into those pre tax plans. And we saw the savings rate start to decline. Uh, now, when you think about the savings piece, and then you think about using your pre-tax benefits you have um, during the year, as people started to use up those pre-tax dollars, um, and I'm really talking about HRAs and FSAs now, in that area, we saw an increase in declines 
on the cards that are used with FSAs and HRAs because people were getting the care they needed, finding a way to use the dollars that they had. Uh, but then when the accounts ran out, then the decline of those cards did increase. And and so you talked at first about the HSA side. So people adjusting down, presumably saving less. Is that right? Yeah, that that's exactly right. Uh, and it was about cash flow. You know, that's just yeah. a con- conclusion that we're coming to as we look across our book of business. As Karen mentioned, you know, we have the we have the privilege to serve very large clients. Uh, the average uh, is way above a uh, thousand and thousand employees per company. And when it comes to looking across our mix of clients, uh, it was interesting to look at the aggregate and see that savings rates were being adjusted. Uh, In some cases, people were stopping doing the pre-tax dollars into their HSA. But again, there is a way to solve for that, Brian. We believe that it's paying attention to the data for each individual client, uh, using the communication that was planned or possibly new custom uh, creative communication to remind people, hey, you can get back in. So once the um, the business climate is shifting or changing. And uh, in addition to that, people get the work-life balance sort of figured out as they did a shift of their family situation, their business situations, reminding them that they can get back in uh, and they can start saving again. And that, I think, is one of the really uh, unique advantages of a health savings account is that reminder that people can use it when they need it. They can increase those contributions and you will never lose those pre-tax dollars. Carly raises an important point about the importance of a communication and education strategy. We know that the average couple will need around $285,000 for healthcare expenses in retirement. And yet, 18 years after HSAs were first introduced, very few know how to use or maximize them to build up that savings. We continue to see that ongoing education has great value for people uh, in terms of their knowledge of how well they can use the HSA now or continue saving till the future. And if you think about any one of our clients who might have average turnover, say 10 to 20% a year, and if they started a plan maybe seven, eight years ago where they are educating their population, Um, they may be educating 50% of their people are different people today than they were seven, eight years ago. So to do the continuous education about how to optimize the savings, whether you're um, putting it away now to use it this year or putting it away in case you need it next year or the year after that, and then having that emergency fund, I am confident, absolutely confident, Brian, that the ongoing education is not um, something that people look away from, but they pay attention at a time when it's important to them. You know, one of the cool ideas that uh, I think uh, more employers um, need to take a look at is if I was putting in, say, the maximum amount in my HSA last year, just default me to that, give me a little message in my annual enrollment walkthrough that says, hey, you had this much in your HSA last year, and why don't you do the same thing this year uh, with uh, $7,200 as the max? And if you need to make a change, go ahead and click here and adjust your dollar amount. And because with HSAs, you can take it down or increase it and 
take it up at any time during the year. There's so much flexibility. Why not just opt someone into the same amount they did the year before and help more people keep saving? Yeah, I think that's great advice. The other thing I've, I've always wondered is, you know, if you look at a 401k plan, there's often auto escalators in there. Yeah. And, and we don't see that on the health side of the house. And, and I wonder why, if it's a, you know, because we, we always think about HSAs or it feels like on the same track as 401ks. And so we always say to ourselves, like, if you just look at what they've done in 401ks and you follow the breadcrumbs of the things that have worked, that should give you a lot of the recipe for success. But, but yet the industry is so far behind. Uh, I think employers, because these are 18 years seems like a long time, but 401ks are a lot older. Yeah. And I think employers are just... They're still getting used to this as a savings vehicle with all of those kinds of capabilities that you're describing, Brian. We've, we've talked to our clients about auto escalation and conceptually they get it through a 401k lens, but they struggle with an HSA component. It's certainly something that we definitely are exploring. Education is important year round, but especially so during open enrollment. Typically, this is the time when employers are asking their employees to think hard about their unique needs, answer questions, and determine what coverage makes the most financial sense. There's another way, however. Alight calls it reimagining the enrollment process. They see a major opportunity to switch from do-it-yourself enrollment support to do-it-for-me. What you might find the most interesting is as we asked users, what they said to us was, why do you even have to ask me questions? You know a lot about me. So why don't you start with answers first instead of a laundry list of questions? So we actually took that approach in the enrollment that we delivered. Um, so approach we, we take is for clients that want to make suggestions around benefits, you really answer almost, it's essentially who are you covering and um, are there some wellness activities that, sh- that you might be willing to participate in? Beyond that, unless you want to model some healthcare costs, we can suggest immediately what the, what the best choice for you might be in medical. Let's assume, because we're all healthcare experts here, that, that you pick that high deductible plan. Um, and what we're finding like this year, 34% of people are actually doing that. They're picking, uh, it's the highest rate we've seen. So instead of just taking you back to, hey, what do you want to do next? we go right into an HSA and suggest a dollar amount. You can change it. You can, you know, the employer helps us set what that dollar amount is, but we find that it increases our enrollment rate in that HSA dramatically. uh, And it helps people have that complete coverage. If you have a low deductible, we pair it with an FSA because either way you need a budgeting tool to, to, to save for those out of pocket healthcare expenses. And then we kind of go through the rest of the enrollments in a similar fashion. Um, So what we're finding is participants are happier. um, Employers are getting the results that they want that match their strategy. And we take the guesswork out because you and like, we all live in sort of a, you know, pick your favorite streaming device, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or, or, or another, maybe Disney plus, if you have younger kids, that's suggesting what you should be doing based on your past behavior. And that's the experience that we are pushing for every single day. Yeah, that's great. Where do you see that in two or three years? That's interesting. Um, so I, I tell you, I have a couple client, clients in kind of two schools. One set of clients is saying, okay, now that you can do that, create the two-click enrollment for me. 
So back to our conversation about auto enrollment, you know, auto escalation and just carry forward what 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 I did last year. Um, and then we have others that want to go even deeper on using AI. Let's pull, you know, we can pull in claims data now. Let's go further. Let's go even deeper on helping me estimate my costs to help me optimize my total benefit experience. So in, in our optimization, we're looking to optimize, and Carly alluded to this uh, in a couple of her comments, across the entire, what we call the total well-being of a, of a, of a consumer. So health and wealth, including outside emergency savings, et cetera. So we really look at looking at that total, total well-being as that, um, that, that's our goal in the enrollment journey. Makes sense. Carly, anything that you'd add to that? Yeah, um, we've seen we've seen the lifestyle planning accounts become more popular again. A few years ago, Brian, we uh, really proactively launched the messaging around using account-based benefits in a way that you help people get money for things they need and they value. I know uh, it was four or five years ago, um, a couple of my family members that were just graduating from college, they specifically chose jobs where those businesses would help them pay for expenses to get their master's degree. And as I think about that fast forward to what a few of our clients have done this year, some of our clients have said, okay, we, we know that account-based benefits are often part of the savings journey, but what if we could help people that are at different places in their life reduce their student loan debt or perhaps also save for their own children's college education. So we've seen lifestyle planning accounts pop up as a way to really diversify how people can spend money and employers can say, thank you for everything you've done during the pandemic. Uh, we value your contributions with our business continuity. We want to give you a little extra money to use in a way that matters. And, and it matters to your family or your personal situation. And believe it or not, with a really broad list of expenses, um, more than 80% of the expenses were used for health care. Things like treadmill treadmills, um, bicycles, tennis shoes, healthcare equipment. The majority of the expenses were in the healthcare area anyway. But what the client said is we got more bang for our buck out of offering this benefit because people were talking about it. They were talking about how great the benefit was, what a different benefit it was. And they thought it was important to do something that they could help their talent see, we want to think about benefits differently and we care about what matters to you. One of the bright spots during a tough year has been the trend of employers offering lifestyle accounts and other programs as a creative way to engage with and support employees during a time of crisis. However, supportive strategies need not be limited to situations like a global pandemic or economic recession. In particular, account seeding can play a major role in helping consumers save on healthcare during both challenging and prosperous times. Seeding HSAs or seeding FSAs can really make a difference over a long period of time because people follow the money. Each and every one of us pay attention when there's a little bit of extra money that comes our way and that year after year seeding, dollar amounts can change, but it's still a way to use a thread of consumer experience or education throughout the year to say, hey, we're going to give you some money in your HSA, and it may or may not be tied to behaviors. Or maybe with the FSA, the employer takes the, all of the forfeitures at the end of the year, and they decide to put that towards everyone 
who participates in an FSA the following year. Another way to use dollars to create um, a conversation and get someone's attention to look differently at their benefits. One of uh, our, our large clients that looked at going to a high deductible and HSA strategy about seven years ago said, well, how do we do this in a way that it's uh, kind, it's compassionate, it's educational, and it doesn't feel like a takeaway because uh, there's that belief system that a high deductible plan just creates this big out-of-pocket expense up front. So uh, what was really cool about what this client decided to do is they started by uh, saying, hey, here's a high deductible in an HSA. By the way, if you contribute, we'll put some money into the HSA for you. They've kept that going over the last seven years. And what they also did is during the year, they do a survey. They'd ask people, so what do you think about the high deductible? So what do you think about the HSA? And tell us more. And they would learn, but then there would also be pointed messages that would go out. Remember, if you're in a high deductible because you didn't open an HSA account yet, you're missing out on employer contribution dollars. So there was a follow-up exercise to remind people they were missing out on the dollars and that they could also put theirs in and increase theirs and do that throughout the year. That's great. Yeah, we, we wish we'd see more of that. Are there other examples, um, Karen or Carly, that you can think of where you've seen really unique approaches, whether it's been this year with COVID or it's just sort of a consistent um, approach toward driving people to plans that make actually the most sense for them? Does that make any sense? It totally does. Um, it We... You've off, you, those of you who've heard me speak before, you you often hear me say passive enrollment mm. it, um, means don't do anything. And one of the things that we've really tried to push is to help employers balance that message with making it easy. So in, this year in particular, we saw very few plan changes, but we saw more and more employers do active communication to encourage people to go out there and do their shopping. And so if you think about, you know, think about your cable bill or your mobile phone bill, you wouldn't go and renew your service without comparing. But the average employee just wants the easy button for enrollment. And so we've, we've been doing a pretty big push of encouraging our clients to just communicate to everybody. You, you have to go in and just take a look. Be educated on what's available. Doctors still in the network. Frankly, do you even have a doctor? Can we help you find one? Um, and we're finding they're making better enrollment choices paired with those HSAs or FSAs, and their satisfaction is higher throughout the course of the year as we help them navigate the healthcare system. And are you seeing uh, more usage of digital tools, again, around the enrollment decision? Oh, absolutely. We have, we have to pull the latest data, but usually our enrollment rates are 90 to 95% across our book. Uh, so the vast majority of people are enrolling online using those digital tools uh, with the focus that employers are suggesting for them. So some are really emphasizing go out, do modeling. Others are suggesting, hey, let's I've got an easy button for you. So we see a mixed bag. Um, but we do find those there are people that still need handholding. And so I don't want to discount in any way the importance of having a high quality customer care organization and it might be paired, like in a light, we can pair that with a, a licensed agent population that can help people make really smart decisions across the benefits universe. Um, and so some employers are looking for that kind of support and others aren't. But I, I'd say 
a combination of that digital plus high touch is, is really the winning combination for many clients. I want to go back for a minute. So we th- talk about the sort of full consumer life cycle and we think about not just HSAs, not just health plans, not just retirement, but kind of all of that together. One of the things that I'm really excited about for you guys is a light total health. Can you talk about that for just a couple minutes? What is it? How is it different than what's out there today? And how does it benefit employers and employees? Yeah. So as you think about a light total health, it, our goal is to really support individuals through that entire healthcare journey. So it starts with enrollment. I have to help you optimize your choices, get you in the right plan and get you on the path to, to a good year in, in terms of supporting your healthcare. But it's when people use healthcare each and every day, that's when they really need help. And so we bring together the legacy, you know, our benefits administration business that we've been doing for a long time, our health navigation business that, we, uh, that we've been doing for the past couple of years, um, as well as consumer accounts and, 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 and the related services that kind of hang together for all of that. And really the goal is to provide that, eco, that connected ecosystem for the employer. So, you know, they, they tell us they're, they're using, you know, X number of health plans with different prescription managers, with um, different condition management organizations. And we look at our job is to bring all that ecosystem together for an employee in a highly personalized way, um, highlight opportunities to get people to engage in their health, um, and make it super, super simple for that person to access through one phone number, one one web portal, one mobile app. Um, and so that's the journey that we are on for a number of our customers. And the, the results to date have been very compelling uh, in terms of lowering healthcare costs by getting people uh, largely to use high quality care in the right setting at the right time. Uh, at the right price. And I know that's a tall order. I know you guys are doing something similar at Allegis, but um, that pays off in spades, both in terms of cost savings to the member, cost savings to the employer, and frankly, overall satisfaction with the with the overall healthcare system. We're in the thick of open enrollment season in a unique year, and we've discussed a number of interesting opportunities to help consumers get the right coverage at the right price. But how do employers make sense of and prioritize all of these strategies? I asked Karen and Carly to give me their top tips for employers. My number one tip would be, um, as as an employer, um, if you can get yourself comfortable with not zeroing out the HSA account contribution level year to year, it will um, it will you will find that it encourages people to continue savings versus that zeroing out of the balances. Some people will just not realize they have to re-enroll in their HSA every single year. I've got two to add. Uh, So I'd like to go back to some comments I made earlier about seeding. Don't forget about the way that people follow money. And that seeding could be to take the FSA forfeitures and use those forfeitures in a way that that is seeding next year for the FSA because employer 
contributions to an FSA do not count towards the annual employee maximum contribution. The other thing is those dollars could be repurposed as a way to seed every HSA account that is opened in the coming year. And what a great way to use those dollars in a way that it helps people uh, think about their HSA differently. And my last point, Brian, would be the, the value of continuous education throughout the year. The makeup of your people this year is probably a little bit different than the people last year. And to even have a three-year cycle where some of the same messages come back and they're updated based on what's going on in the current market, uh, being able to impact somebody at a time when they have health care or health expenses and they're in that moment, it changes for all of us. So that continuous education throughout the year can have so much more impact on helping people see the value of saving and using their HSA in a way that it helps them this year and next year and well into retirement. As we continue through the open enrollment season and wrap up 2020, we hope you found the insights and strategies discussed on this podcast useful for growing your own business, guiding consumers to the right benefits, and saving money for all stakeholders in the process. We look forward to continuing these conversations and creating a stronger, healthier, and more balanced 2021 for all. Have a safe and happy holiday season. Talk to you in the new year. Our thanks to Carly Dunkelberger and Karen Frost of Alight for being part of this episode. If you would like to learn more about this topic, our guest, or download the research discussed in this episode, visit allegis.com backslash podcast. And be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're there, leave a rating or review. We'd really appreciate it.